Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Miller Report with Suzanne Miller on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And now, here's Suzanne Miller. Welcome to the Miller Report. I'm Suzanne Miller. The Miller Report is a weekly podcast sponsored by WABC. We talk to business leaders, CEOs, chefs, celebrities, and power players about real estate because real estate is the heartbeat of any city, particularly this one. Today we have with us a special guest. He is a restaurateur, an artist, an author, and an art collector. He is known for his industry insights, his culinary accomplishments, his business acumen, and his candid observations. He is a leading contributor on many news channels and is often called upon to play the role of event honoree, speaker, and judge. Welcome, David Burke, to the Miller Report. Hi, David. Thanks for coming on. Do you like that intro? That was long, but nice. (laughs) Well, you know, there's a lot to say about you. Well, I didn't know who you were talking about. I I did a lot of homework. All right. Thank you. So, uh, let's say, uh, David, I know you have a lot of restaurants and even one in Saudi Arabia. So, before I begin, can you just tell us where some of the things that you're doing and where your restaurants are? Um, Well... We're, I'm in Atlantic Islands, New Jersey, home base. We have uh, restaurants in Monmouth County, Rumson, Seabright, Union Beach. We've got a bakery in Kingsburg. We're in South Orange, heading up North Jersey, Morristown, soon to be Burnsville, Fort Lee, West York, uh, and East Brunswick. We're also in New York City, up East Side, mm-hmm. opening another one on Park Avenue, 278 in December. We're in the Garden City Hotel. We're up in Saratoga, we're in Rhode Island, and we're in White Plains, New York. Also, we're in Charlotte, North Carolina, with three outlets, and building one in Florida right now, north of West Palm Beach. I just heard about that one. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I love that you're doing New York. Yeah, we're going back into a big office building, uh, and we're going to have a breakfast, lunch, dinner, grab-and-go concept day at Park Ave Kitchen by David Burke. So in Lex, I'm 47 and 48 in the J.P. Morgan's building. Uh, and we have a project, not quite signed, a small hotel in Times Square, three years out. Um, oh, yeah, New York, they have the right deals. We like New York. The uh, the ones with the support behind the landlords and the hotels are good. The standalone, old-fashioned lease deals are no good. Just the city's too uh, volatile. We can't control the labor. We can't control the, the market. If COVID and something like that happens again, protests are just too risky. The okay. labor's out. I'm going to get more into the real estate about New York in a little while, but before I do, you're really known to be like an energetic marketer, like all the things that you're doing. How have you seen marketing changed over the last few years, and what is your best way to get new customers? Um, well, I worked with Alan Stillman. Alan Stillman created TJ Fridays and Smith & Walensky, and mm-hmm. when I was younger, <laughs> I used to, I'd be afraid to advertise. Because I thought it made the chef look weak or it looked like the place was going out of business. Because restaurants traditionally back in the 80s, 90s, the only ones that advertised were the chains. And 
And he had taught me a lesson. He said, he goes, do you ever hear of Tiffany's, Mercedes-Benz, or Deutsche Bank? I said, yeah. He goes, well, they're not going out of business, and they advertise. So being a mar- uh, marketing your product or your brand is super important. This is before, this is before Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone can market on Instagram now, but that's a small audience based on how many followers you have. But, uh, you know, it's hard to measure the marketing, but, you know, once you believe it, and we know it, it you know, traditionally you can tell if it's, you look at coupon cutting and bounce back, but I think marketing and branding, you don't, you know, it's hard to measure, but we feel it works. And we think it's, especially with social media now, it's not a social media company. So he was able to teach me the value of getting out front for someone of my age group. And I'm 60 that sometimes miss that Instagram uh, boat. But if people want to see your product and it is unique and you have a story, I think it's foolish not to market. So, David, how personally do you get involved in the social media? Are you doing this yourself? Well, no, I have people that post it, but I do mo- I'm mostly the idea guy. Mm-hmm. You know, we just sent a tweet out to Elon Musk about putting our black and white cookies in, on <laughs> Mars. With him. You know, that. Nathan, I was nuts. I said, give it a shot. Mm-hmm. We to him, Steve, he tweets back. He didn't get back to me yet. That was last week. <laughs> but you know what? We sold $600 worth of cookies in Denver. I love yeah. it. That's great. So, you know, you gotta you gotta take chances mm-hmm. and try things out. But as far as uh, you know, marketing um, certain items on Instagram and getting followed. Listen, I I used to funny story. I was once reading Instagram a few years back in New York, and I saw a, a chef that I w- a, that I was friendly with. He posted a calf's liver dish. Oh. Now, I love calf's liver, and you can't find it anywhere. Anyway. And I went that night to the restaurant and ate it. So I know it works because it got me off my butt to go eat something <laughs> that I had craved, but I could, didn't know where to get. That's great. That's great. Also, when I read about you, I know how important hospitality is, and that's really a pet peeve of yours. And, you know, it's funny. I own a real estate company, Empire State Properties. I've trained hundreds and hundreds of people. And the one thing that I tell every new agent is if you've had a restaurant background, you're going to be a great real estate agent because it teaches you how to sell, it teaches you math, customer service, to be fast, quick on your toes. So with the hospitality part, how, how do you train your staff for the hospitality part? Well, it's uh, interesting because hospitality is not what it once was. And one of the reasons it's not is because technology. You know, before you had open table and you made reservations on Resi, mm-hmm. you had to call a restaurant and get a voice, right? Mm-hmm. That made for D was very valuable because he heard your voice, he listened to your request, and he shook your hand. Sometimes he got a $10 bill. Sometimes you didn't, but he remembered your face and name. Nowadays, restaurateurs often, they put a 20-year-old girl or boy at the front desk who just listens to what the computer tells them, doesn't know how to overbook, doesn't know how to squeeze anybody in, and you lose that first initial initial greeting in hospitality of bringing someone into your house. That's because so- it's all about, well, we, you know, the computer says we're booked. You know what I mean? Well, so in the programming, it has its benefit, but it also takes away from the the actual touch and feel of a good maitre d'. You know, David, you should listen to last week's podcast about artificial intelligence, how robots are okay. taking over. You're 100% right. Exactly. So, like, I had Eric Repair on a few weeks ago, and he told me that Midtown is alive and well. And he's in the theater district, and he said the flow of customers is at an all-time high. What do you see the locations in the foot traffic in the last 12 months? Well, Eric is in a different category. Eric is in the top 0.001 percentile of restaurants in the world. God bless him. So he's... (laughs) 
he's not he, he's not getting the normal diner. Mm. He's getting lead diner, and they're back in droves in Midtown, and God bless them. But there's uh, I think New York is back in action, and certainly the parties are too. Yep. Uh, like this last two weeks on the Upper East Side, we were very quiet. Well, it's, everybody's in the Hamptons we now. Off, we dropped off about 50%, and that's not unexpected mm-hmm. for Upper East. Now you got restaurant week kicking in in about a week. That'll last a month. Then we take our troops out to the U.S. Open. That's another two and a half weeks. And then we're, we're back into mid-September, get through the Jewish holidays, and hopefully the New York City has a good fourth quarter. But the fourth quarter in New York is no longer – no, it's uh, it's the uh, it's the eighth, <laughs> you know, because people don't go to New York like they used to to shop. You know, mm-hmm. thirty years ago, people came to New York in November and October to shop because you only had one Saks, one Bloomingdale's, one Macy's. Now you got fifty of them around the country, so the people that live in Denver don't have to fly to New York to go shopping. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Bruno. He's your numero uno. I want to ask you an important question, David. So a lot of people are listening, and this is really something that I think about. There's a war going on, right? Everybody's talking about global warming, supply chain issues. How has the food been affected? Are you having trouble getting supplies? Uh, n- not as we did during COVID. We don't have problems with supplies. Sometimes certain things are out, but not, nothing drastic. We, we also operate over a dozen restaurants in the tri-state area. So our vendors are very loyal to us because we have buying power. Mm-hmm. But we, uh, there's certain things we have to wait on here and there, but nothing nothing drastic. Mm-hmm. You know, we can get ahead a little bit on it. But the prices are outrageous. Right. I mean, you know, sometimes you, you look at the price of chicken or eggs and you hear about it and fish and meat. Meat prices are crazy. But, it, you know, you gotta, it's the flour and the sugar and the, the deep-frying oil. And the salad dressing and the vinegars mm. and the cooking supplies that nobody pays attention to. All of those prices are up. Yeah. The soap for the bathroom, the paper towels, mm-hmm. the menu, the printer, the ink. You know, there's so many things that are in the restaurant that cost money. Sanitation, yeah. pick up. So you got to charge more to the customers. Yeah, but how much can you know? I'm a little old school, but how much can you? How much is someone <laughs> going to pay? Listen, I had Father's Day at home. I'm never home, right? I had my kids come over. And we went, I went to the supermarket. I'm telling you, it would have been cheaper to go out to dinner. We cooked wow. in the yard, and it was like 50 bucks a head. To, you know, we had some steaks and this and that, but, but it was a lot of money to, to cook for yourself. So prices in the markets are high. I think people expect to pay a little bit more mm-hmm. for dinner. But it becomes a point. They're not going to spend, they're, they're willing to spend it, but they might come once a month instead of three times a month. Right. 
So, David, what do you think about this th- situation where they want to get rid of all gas ovens and make them electric? What's that going to do to the restaurant business? It's going to give us a high electric bill. <laughs> what about the quality of the food? I don't like cooking on electric. I uh, I haven't thought about it much. I don't believe it's going to happen. I, I I just think it's more noise. I think, you know, you've got a governor or someone that wants to pull a plug and then they start to change something and then something else happens. Somebody else comes into office and reverses it. This mm-hmm. one's grandfathered in. You got all these gas lines in the the old buildings. You know, coal. They're going to take the coal out of the pizza ovens. I I try not to get. I, I haven't been able to get my head around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't know. I know by the time it's instituted, if it ever is, I won't be cooking anymore. Okay. Well, I hope you're right. We like but our. We like our gas. Important things to be worried about than whether we have to use electric stoves. And uh, I can see in. in in a densely populated area or in a high rise on the 50th floor. Mm-hmm. I can see that. But to have a, uh, to try and cut the gas thing, there's, there's something bigger at play here. I, I don't know what it is. I agree. So let's get back to real estate. I, yeah. I love to hear it's music to my, it's just, I love that you are investing in New York City. How amazing that you still yeah. think that. So when you're looking to open a restaurant in New York, how do you decide what's the best business model and like which location? Well, we don't really. People come to us with deals, mm-hmm. uh, and then we decide whether that's a the right opportunity for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we certainly want high traffic areas. We want places that are not congested with traffic. Uh, I try to stay away from Central Park because there's nobody living in the park, and I learned that lesson a long time ago. I had a rest in the plaza, and everybody thinks, "Wow, this is great. You're in the plaza," but across the street, there's nobody living or working in the park. So, you know, you, you kind of cut yourself straight. You're better off being in Midtown or where the money is, where the lunch business is. Mm-hmm. There's no lunch in Tribeca. And there's no lunch on the Upper East Side of where they're using their expense account, spending 80 bucks a head. Mm-hmm. And if you can't make 150 bucks a head and get 100 people in the door for lunch, you can't make your payroll. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't pay. People aren't drinking at lunch like they did in the 80s. So it's, it's, it's a little bit different of a market. A lot of people get lunch delivered. Mm-hmm. And and or they go to these fast casual places and they because of the cell phone people are more than content of eating lunch out of a bag and, and walking on a cell phone as opposed to having lunch with a coworker. So what about the concept? Like how do you decide what concept you want to put where? Uh, well, our, our most of our concepts are based around modern American. Anyway, we have some sushi. We got some Latin concepts. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Italian wood. Depends on in New York. It doesn't matter that much. You can have five Italian restaurants on the same block; they could all be busy. But I think you look at what's trending. What what well, you know? What are what the demographic is of the workforce or the people living in the community in New York? Are mm-hmm. where are you going to draw from? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to open a theater district, you don't want a five course tasting menu pre theater. You want something that's quick mm-hmm. and easier, more casual and affordable for blue and white collar people. So you got to take all that into consideration. If you're in a hotel, what kind of hotel? What's the price point of the room mm-hmm. before you what the price point of the menu is? Got it. Yeah. So um, this is a real estate show, and there's a lot of investors that are listening. Are you able to share with us, like, how you structure a deal? Like, I know you have a lot of investors. Can you tell us, yeah. are you able to tell us anything about how you structure your deals? I can tell you how we structure some of our deals. Okay. Some of our deals are... Uh, an investment group or hotel or a landowner or building owner uh, will approach us and say, we want the David Burke brand. Uh, can you manage a property in our building? We'll build it out for you, which they do. We take a management fee between 5 and 6% of the gross sales. 
and then we cap up the bottom. You know, some of the investors get some of the bottom, we get some of the bottom. As the investment gets paid back, for example, the, the, we might get 30% of the bottom and the investor gets 70. As they get paid back some of their investment from the bottom, it flips to a 50-50 or maybe even a 70-30 in our favor as they become whole. Sometimes it stays, uh, that's a basic formula. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes that depends on the rent factor too. I mean, we'll do a percentage rent now. And sometimes the percentage rent is similar to what our percentage management fee is. So in essence, you're 50-50. If we're, they're taking 6% rent or 7 and we're taking 6% off the top for management fee, and we split the bottom line 50-50, you're basically 50% partners. So I th- they get the money back in the form of rent and or bottom line. Now you've got to promise that you can get a decent bottom line. And that's always hard to do sometimes, depending on the economy, the city. It also depends on the rent. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in general, you want to strive that we're both incentivized to make profit because we're splitting them. That makes sense. So you're really making the landlord a partner with you. In some way, there's upside. We, we, we like those deals and so do our landlords because we're, we know we're honest, hardworking, and we, and we strive to do what's best for the business. That's that's really helpful. I think that um, that makes a lot of sense. It's that's, pro- just one, yeah. that's just one model. There's other models mm-hmm. uh, out there, but those are the type of deals we look for. And those, that's like the original. You know, there was uh, original deals in the casinos in Vegas where he took ten percent off the top, or he gave you something like that. But there was no bottom line share. But I think you got to be invested in the bottom line in order to help drive the profit, which is the way the landlord gets paid or the investor gets paid back. Well, after the show, I want to tell you about a property I have. I think you're going to like it. Okay. So, <laughs> so we've okay. talked a lot about the, your restaurant background, but you also have other businesses, like you have an entire line of cooking accessories and a food line. Tell us about that. Yeah, I have. Uh, well, luckily, I started selling pots and pans, and you know, <laughs> I was doing UVC work. And the beauty, and I worked with Harold Nash for years. We have a whole line of bakeware and saute pans. And TJ Maxx, Marshalls, and Home Goods picked up our line. And thank God, during the pandemic, that that kept me alive because the restaurants were all closed, mm-hmm. and that people were cooking at home, buying our pots and pans. And that was uh, that was a good lesson to make Smart. sure you diversify. Uh, we also, uh, you know, I, was, I, I created the cake pop years ago, so we had a little food line, some steak sauces, and uh, we were doing some videos online and selling uh, cooking classes. Uh, I'm working on a TV show, which is not easy, trying to get a, get a little uh, apprentice program in my house with a couple of young cooks from a local community college, so we're still waiting on, on that. And, uh, you know, we do some consulting and some teaching, and uh, like I said, uh, that's what ha- that's kind of falls under the umbrella of the modern-day celebrity chef. I'm really impressed. When do you have time for all this, David? Uh, I'm a worker. <laughs> you're a worker. You're, you're a Work. deal maker. You're a deal junkie. Yeah. Well, you know what? There's, there's, you got one shot, man, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. I, I, hear I you. happen to love what I do, so it's to me it's, it's, it's kind of sport-like, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, and I think that there's, there's entrepreneurs out there that look at it like, you know, the adrenaline's good. The, the opportunities are good. Yes, it's hard. It's frustrating. There's a lot of stress. But if that's all you've done all your life, it becomes normal. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's the excitement of closing the deal. I, I'm with you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I, I, during the pandemic, I think everybody should know just how altruistic you were. Did you actually deliver 100,000 meals to frontline workers? I read that. 
Yeah, we created a, a company or a company or a format, a format or a platform called Feed the Heroes, mm-hmm. and fed hospital workers and frontline workers, and uh, and we were packaging lunches and bringing them to schools. If the schools were open, mostly hospitals in different counties in New so Jersey. Nice. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we went at it for a while. We didn't slow down. You know, we, we had the Saudi Arabia deal during the pandemic. We kept our all our salaried people going. And we we here's what we did that was smart in the pandemic. And we did one of the, we did a hotel in Charlotte where they, they were still open and they needed food, but we didn't even sign a deal. I said, We'll pay you no rent, you don't have to pay me, let's just keep the workers going. Mm-hmm. And when the dust settles we'll figure it out. And we did that on a couple deals where we, you know, there was cash flow coming in, our employees were being trained, and then once the pandemic was over, we inked the deals and, and made them correct. And we already had, you know, several months or a year, couple of years together being in business with those particular people, and then it turned out okay. But we were willing to take that chance because they were like, listen, we don't have the income to pay you, mm-hmm. and you don't, but I said, let's keep people working. And we'll figure it out when it dust settles. And that works for us on two or three, two or three uh, areas. And those places are still open and doing well. Another model. It's another one of your business models. Well, that was a desperation model, but <laughs> you know, fear is a, fear is a great motivator. <laughs> Absolutely. So since the pandemic, don't you see that there's so much more takeout, and are the kitchens even geared to do all these food deliveries? Yeah. Well, we don't. We didn't. You know, here's the problem with takeout. If you mentioned Eric uh, Laverna down in my when. If you do, you know, Chinese food, hamburgers, pizza, all the traditional takeout food, it's built for takeout. When you put a $65 Bronzino in a plastic container and <laughs> deliver it to someone's house, it's not a $65 Bronzino anymore. You know, yeah. because, you know, you're paying for the artwork and the ambiance and the service. So it doesn't satisfy as much as dumping a thing of beef chow fun on your table at home that's going to last two days. Yeah, it's the experience as well, and you're missing it. And certain dishes don't, uh, restaurant dishes don't travel. They just, you know, you get a porterhouse uh, from uh, a great steakhouse and put it in a, a plastic container with a, little uh, with a plastic spoon and knife. You can't cut it. <laughs> nah, it's overcooked. It's just, it doesn't translate. So, David, how do you but see the re- how do you see the restaurant industry evolving in the next few years? Well, I think that uh, you know, the strong survive. You got to pivot as much as you can. Stay innovative. You know, again, core the core value, hospitality, value, making sure people get good service. And more importantly, is make sure people that come to your restaurant feel like you want them there. Mm-hmm. Hospitality. Know, yeah, I mean, you know, say goodbye, say hello, say thank you. Get to know them a little bit if, in fact, they give you the opportunity to talk. Some people want to be left alone. But I think that we get further and further away from the word hospitality and more and more closer to bottom line and at the end of the day good hospitality will drive bottom line so what you're really saying is that we don't want robots to feed us or to serve us or to wait on us we need real people and that's 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 fantastic i agree i I think that you can never first of all robots the word of mouth a custom that the personal touch mm-hmm. and people a robot can't read how you're feeling about your meal a robot can't see you across the room and say that woman looks disappointed or her glass of wine is empty. i don't think i mean I don't, you know, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it for, I, I like it for certain things. I love Easy Pass. don't get me wrong. I love the microwave when I came out, even though everybody hated it. Mm-hmm. But 
Those are things that it works for. The union, for example, doesn't work in the hospitality business. You know why? It takes the per- it takes the passion out of it. And I certainly don't think a robot's going to put the passion into hospitality. I couldn't agree more. Well, David, this has been so helpful. I think that we all are going to listen and going to go to David Burke Restaurants. And I'm really excited about the one in Florida opening. You're in a Stephen oh, yes. G building, right? I heard. I read that. Uh, the Nautilus 220 is the name of the complex being built. We bought a condo there. And it's in a town called Lake Park between Jupiter and West Palm Beach on the water, looking at Singer Island, a beautiful place. Amazing. Fantastic. All right. Well, I'll be sure to visit, and thank you for coming on my podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. Dear listeners, thank you for coming on my podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please download, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much. Bye.